I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend... Life Stadium for you guys. Yeah. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Back with another roundtable discussion with our stable of very talented writers. We're going to talk with Dal Benisario and Greg Armstrong today. Uh, if you have not yet Make sure you are subscribed to the Badlands podcast, turnonthejets.podbean.com, to check out our conversation with Mr. C.J. Mosley. Uh, we're going to play a brief excerpt of his interview at the end of this episode, but if you want to hear the full thing and hear the full 45-minute conversation after, you have to go to turnonthejets.podbean.com, sign up, check it out. For this podcast, all we need you to do is subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, check us out on Google Play, check us out on Spotify, tweet at Dalbin, tweet at Greg, tweet at me. We want things to talk about. You guys got us fired up in these past few days, talking trash about Jericho Cotri of all people, um, and having our normal, uh, usual back and forth. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about what we think the Jets' biggest needs are heading into the NFL draft and where their current roster ranks roughly right now in the AFC. Really, from this point going forward, it's April. We're going to be very draft-heavy and draft-focused. It is draft season. Dalbin, how you doing? How you holding up? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of trash talk on Twitter about Jericho Cotri, which really... Uh, and, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about this, I guess, at some other point or whatever, but I, I think it's just crazy to me the revisionist history that goes on uh, you know, with Jet fans in terms of guys like Jericho Cotri, like, you know, who they, you know, who remember, like, they let go because he wanted to play on the outside. They didn't think he should be an outside receiver. And then Rex sold the upgrade of Derek Mason, who had just had like 70 catches or something like that. Uh, but yeah, they got us fired up. I'm ready to go, uh, you know, and yes, feel free to tweet at me because I'm, I'm teleworking and I have all the time in the world for every amount of smoke that you have for us. So yeah, let's, let's get to it. Don't. Talk trash about Derek Jericho Cotri to the Turn on the Jets website, writers, <laughs> Twitter handles. He is our favorite player. You are not an informed Jets fan if you are talking trash about Jericho Cotri. Look up his career highlights versus the Patriots. Look at some of the plays he made. I'm not going to rant for too long. We'll give you other more pressing things to talk about, but we won't have it. We won't have it here. doesn't even deserve to be addressed. Anyway, Jets' current <laughs> roster. I would have to guess right now. I don't know. If you were doing a power rankings, I think most people, if you look at the Vegas odds, you look, you know, you try to be pragmatic. They're probably somewhere in the 10 to 13 range, in most people's opinion, in the AFC. 
I think most would probably still have them ahead of Miami until they address quarterback and their offensive line. Since he has the first pick in the draft, Jacksonville, you know, clearly seems to be rebuilding. And then depending on how you feel about some of these other teams uh, is going to determine whether you're low on the Jets and see them like in the 12 to 13 range or you're a little higher. Maybe you see him in the seven to nine range. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle, depending on how they handle the NFL draft. I think, you know, you look at the roster right now, it's probably about a five or six win roster. I think they're going to make additions in the NFL draft, which hopefully bumps that up to maybe making them a seven or eight win roster. I'm not sure unless a couple things really break their way that there's more wins to be had this season. And I think there might be a bit of an understanding internally that that's the case. Right now, I think most, there's two most glaring needs. And number one has to be offensive line, namely offensive tackle. You, you just can't go into the season with George Fant and Chuma Adoga as your two guys. You have to come out with a day one starter, hopefully a pick 11. And wide receiver is still a major concern. I think both outside positions. I think Perryman, in my mind, is the kind of guy you feel really good about if he's like your number three or number four option. And maybe he gradually evolves into a bigger role, uh, but has your quote unquote lead receiver. And when he's opposite of, you know, Quincy Inua or some of these other guys who we don't know, who Joe Douglas submitted is a big question mark. Those are head and shoulders, in my mind, the first two biggest holes while the car alarm is going off uh, behind me. Always interesting. Dalvin, what do you think about the biggest needs right now where the Jets roster stacks up overall? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Twofold, right? I think the Jets have to find a way to replace, you know, 96 targets to Robbie Anderson, uh, another 58 to Demarius Thomas. They probably have to figure out how to, you know, make that up. Quincy with you know, who Joe Douglas at the Combine sounded a little bit more more upbeat a little bit more positive uh than you know even this week like it just sounded like you know at the combine it sounds like they were expecting a lot from him this year and then now it kind of sounds like they're kind of walking that back a little bit um so i mean i agree with you in terms of left tackle but i will say man i think wide receivers they're like a really big gap because i think what you have right now and a lot of people will point to brashard perryman's four games in tampa bay with a top tier head coach and bruce arians a better quarterback at Jameis winston than he has now a better offensive line than he has now and you're talking about he he was one of the pass catching options with chris godwin oj howard cameron Brait, ronald jones averaged over four yards a carry and it was a team that was throwing the ball all over the place. They were out of the, they were mathematically eliminated from the, from the playoff uh, picture. So to, to see folks hype up the four games that he had when he replaced Mike Evans, to me seems a little short-sighted. And we talked a little bit about this, you know, before we jumped on just this, oh, this notion to over, overhype these free agent acquisitions in order to downgrade guys that just three months ago, if we polled all jet fans, do they want to keep, Robbie Anderson, they all said yes. So to see that change in three months, and then now you have to make up for you know almost 100 targets from Robbie Anderson. The other part, so I think that's why I would say wide receiver. The, the thing with the offensive line, you can mask offensive line play, right? Like I think that if you had a quality head coach, right, you can get away with maybe not having a franchise left because you you know maybe use a, a different blocker maybe you run more two tight end sets or use an extra blocker to, to help out your left tackle but i don't trust adam gase enough to think that that could work so i agree with you in that sense like because adam gase is the coach i think left tackle is the more pressing need but i really don't like the jets wide receiver core i think jameson crowder is the best receiver that they have i saw joe douglas talk of vincent smith and i think that's kind of a joke um you know and this is why you want to make sure that you don't pigeonhole yourself going into the draft. And I think right now 
the Jets have kind of pigeonholed themselves to where you have to take a left tackle because your court because your your quarterback is entering year three and you don't trust your head coach to you know mask the deficiencies on the offensive line. But then you then also have to take a receiver because you don't have many good receivers outside of Jameis and Crowder. So I think 1A and 1B, man, it's wide receiver and left tackle because also you have to remember we're also entering Sam Darnold's third year of his rookie deal, which means that after this year, and if there's football this year, after this year, you then have to start getting ready to make the decision about whether you're going to pay him or not. And I do not think that this situation with the Jets have built is conducive to you determining whether you should pay a rookie quarterback another big deal when his rookie contract is up. It's a fair point. It's going to be hard to, you know, potentially read what Sam's situation is right now. Beyond that, you got Jamal Adams tweeting interested gifts about joining the Cowboys again yesterday. The Jets are going to have some big decisions to make in the next 12 to 18 months. And, you know, yeah. you, I'm an optimist when it comes to Sam. You know, I, I'm pretty, you know, blunt about how I feel about everything related to this team. And I, I would tell you if I thought Jet fans were, you know, overhyped or over-exaggerated about Sam's talent, I think he has a ton and absolutely can be the franchise quarterback here. He's just going to be in a difficult situation this year. And I don't, I think we've already seen some early signs of this coaching staff kind of leaking Sam as a potential fall guy if there's struggles this year. I think you could see some yeah. of that happening. I'm sorry. I think... It's just based on the history of this head coach and some of the media stuff we've seen around players we know he's not crazy about. If the Jets start out slow on offense, I'm telling you, you're going to see some some articles that pin it on Sam over the coaching staff and the talent. And I don't know if that's going to be fair. Now, I think, look, Darnold was, he got better from year two to year one. He was definitely probably a little more inconsistent than most of us would have liked to see. He had a very good stretch in the middle of the season, did not close the season all that well, I think. It's an exaggeration to say he did. You really got to go back and look at those games. And the Jets were scoring one offensive touchdown a game. Um, it was not really pretty down the stretch. But there's enough there to believe with more talent. He could hopefully make a jump to being, you know, in the top third of starters in the NFL. Uh, not inconceivable with his talent. I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about mock drafts and who's likely to be there mm -hmm. at number 11. I mean, if someone asked you today, before we let you yeah. go, who do you think is most likely to be the Jets' pick at 11? Not who you want, but who do you think is most likely to be their pick at 11? Who do you think that shakes out to being? Well, so to, to, that it, that my answer to this question ties into your point about what you just said about Sam Donald being in the top half of the NFL of the NFL starting quarterback. If Sam Donald was the top half quarterback last year, the Jets are a playoff team because the, because the defense, the Jets' defense was a middle-of-the-pack defense in – points and then uh seventh in yards right so 16th sorry 16th in yards and seventh and uh seventh in points allowed or vice versa flip-flop those um but if sam donald quarterback that team is a playoff team because again you can make the argument that the quarterbacks that got in they're other than i mean they, if you're in a top if you're a top half quarterback you can probably lead your team to the playoffs so with that said i think the pick is andrew thomas i think that andrew thomas is the one offensive lineman that when i when i look at and i'm and Perfect timing because I'm I'm finishing up my top my top fifty tonight and that'll be ready to release on TOJ tomorrow. Andrew Thomas to me is the safest offensive lineman in the draft. And 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 when I say safe, you, you have to understand. I mean like in terms of he he is who he is right now, and you're going to get a guy that can start for the next ten years at left tackle and be solid, kind of like DeBrickershaw Ferguson. He's not going to get too much better. He's also not going to get too much worse. He's going to be this, and I think he can plug him in today, move George Fant to right tackle, and suddenly you have a better offensive line that gives Sam Darnold time to what you just said to be the quarterback that shows the talent consistently that we have.
Uh, so I think it's Andrew Thomas. I think he's going to be the pick. I would love for it to be Jerry Judy. I would love for it to be CeeDee Lamb. I do not want it to be Henry Ruggs. I, but I think it's Andrew Thomas. I think the Jets go offensive line, and I think you see them do a scenario where they take Andrew Thomas in round one, and then maybe they take Michael Pittman in round two, who, again, then tries to show up some of that some of the receiver needs. But I also, I'll tell you this, Joe, I do not think the Jets pick at 11 when the draft happens in, in two weeks. I think that in two and a half weeks, I think that they trade back. But if you ask me if they stayed at 11, I think Andrew Thomas. I got no pro- problem with Andrew Thomas at 11. I think you can make a case for all four of those tackles, but getting Thomas yeah. would... Uh, be an exciting addition and make all of us feel much better about the Jets' offensive tackle situation. Dalbin, we're going to look out for your draft writing. I know you love draft season. We're going to have a very sure. draft-centric episode, episodes upcoming, including some mocks, some big boards, and all that good stuff. So we will talk to you next week. Stay safe. Stay busy. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are now joined by our second guest for this week's episode, back for the third week in a row, Craig Armstrong, guy who does a little bit of everything. He's got turn on the Jets. He's got Jets Brawl. He's helping us out on Instagram. He's got some entertaining tweets. What's going on, GA? Well, as I talked before, I'm alive and I'm breathing. So that's really the the best status update that I can give you. I've been watching uh, SNY has been putting out Mets live stream games from MLB The Show, and I'm way too locked in to video game simulations of a baseball team that's bad. Look, I can empathize. It's uh, it's desperate times here. I've already worked through season two of Jack Ryan, the entire first season of High Fidelity, working through Ozarks now, uh, watch Knives Out, a um, lot of highlights, digging up these Jets highlights every day. I got to tweet one today. I actually forgot about that. We'll get on it, Twitter. I did this at the top with my conversation with Dalbin. Just do your Jericho Cotri rant. I already got mine off my chest, and I got too worked up. I had to dial it back. Let's but go. Give me, just give me your rant here. So it's it's a, it's wild times with quarantining and social distancing. And, you know, there was a tweet that, that came out a couple days ago. I forgot who said it with Jericho Cotri being at the top of, like, Jets receiver lists for whatever stats. And there was some pushback on it being like, oh, Jericho is, you know, not that great. Like, it's kind of good that he left. And you go back and without even just like looking at the stats, like that's just a a factually wrong statement. It seemed like, you know, I really started diving into Jets football around like 08, 09 until now. And it just seemed like Kotri was a dude that whenever you needed a catch, whenever you needed a big play, 
whenever you needed like a first down or, or anything that, you know, kept a drive going or, or whatever, like he was the guy. And through all the receivers that came in with Braylon, you know, with Santonio and, you know, the years with Lavernius, like it just seemed like Jericho was the guy that was, you know, the binky for most quarterbacks. And, you know, I was going through because I saw some of the slander on the timeline a couple days ago. I went back and I was just looking up clips of him. That dude, like, demolished the Patriots. It's it's incredible to to see, you know, with the receivers that have done nothing against the Patriots in the last couple of years. Like, Jericho just – I've never seen anyone love playing against the Patriots more than that guy. And – I think the the play that epitomizes him was the play against Cleveland. It's 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 my favorite jet play of all time. I mean, he tears his groin off the bone. Sanchez escapes the whole city of Cleveland, and he still dives and makes a first down catch on a huge third down in overtime. It, it's you can say what you want about the stats, but like that dude just always seemed to come up with a big catch and a big time, and didn't really matter who he was playing against, whether it's the Patriots, you know, whether it's a, a, a different good team. I mean the. The, the couple of plays against Indy in the AFC Championship game, that dude always came up with catches. So I don't know where this slander is coming from. I think everyone's just kind of getting a little bit uh, of quarantine brain seeping in. But to say that he wasn't a great receiver for the Jets and l- losing him was fine is completely false. Completely false. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Also, underrated part of that Cleveland catch. I mean, watch Sanchez get free on that play. It's unbelievable. <laughs> It's like quietly like one of the best plays of his career. If you actually watch that whole play from the beginning and you got time to do it now, you should go do it. Um, in that weird stretch of games that they won in 2010, they had like seven straight ridiculous comebacks. Anyway, oh, yeah. we're heading into the NFL draft. It's April. As it stands now, where do you roughly think the Jets roster ranks? Let's just do AFC. Where, where do you think they probably slot in with their current roster? And as you look at that, what jumps off the page to you has the absolutely must-address needs heading into this NFL draft? Oof. Um, if I had to rank them, it's probably it's in like the the lower percentile. I mean, the defense the defense is fine. I think with Greg Williams being the defensive coordinator, we saw what they could do last year with you know C.J. Mosley out, Avery Williamson out, uh, a lack of cornerbacks and. You know, they've slightly addressed the cornerback with getting Desir in, but getting Mosley back is huge, not just for his play, but just being the general on defense. Um, hopefully, Williamson stays getting a Wusser back or getting signing a Wusser is is pretty big in free agency. So I think the defense elevates them, but the offense just brings it down a ton. I mean, you sign McGovern, which is fine. That's a good signing. But none of the the offensive line signings this year have really moved the needle for this offense and you lose a guy like Robbie Anderson, which Jets fans, you know, not even 24 hours after he signed, were already on the, well, he's not that good. Like look at his stats. He didn't have a thousand yards. And it's like, okay, well when you're catching passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown and Bryce Petty for a majority of your career, like, yeah, you're probably not going to have a thousand yard season. So losing him, I think is, is huge. Like it's, it's impossible to understate that. And you're going into the season. I mean, we saw Joe Douglas with a quote, yesterday saying yeah vincent smith could you know get some has a good opportunity to get some reps in 2020 2021 if you're going into the season with vincent smith vincent with a y as a guy who's like yeah this this could be a guy like that's an issue and i mean i just hope that this offensive line could mesh together because last season despite the, the talent you know deficiencies on it they didn't really play at all together um 
so you, your hope is that this offensive line can kind of scrounge together and get, you know, 15, 14, 15 games together as a unit. But, like, when you look at it, you're kind of all – you're really just hoping and banking on Sam taking this leap that we thought he was going to take in year two. And from what we've seen with Adam Gase and from what we've seen with Sam, as much as I love him, like, I don't know where – that leap is coming from because you see some of the throws that he makes and you're just like, wow, like this is the quarterback of the future. And then you see the mistakes and they're really, really bad. And I know it's one of those things where you take the mistakes if you get the the huge plays, but it's, it's tough to see this offense like really doing much of anything. And especially with their schedule, they're going to have to score a lot of points. And that defense I think is going to be stressed out even more this year. You know, they, they played a pretty bad, Bad schedule last season, and the defense kind of shined when the offense shut down. But this year, you're going up against a team with, you know, Mahomes. You're going up against the NFC West with Russell Wilson and the 49ers. And, you know, even with the Rams being a down season, like, that's still an offense that looks light years ahead of the Jets. So if I had to, I'd put them in the lower tier of rosters. Um, maybe kind of on the edge of that third tier just because of their defense and Greg Williams, but it's not looking pretty. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure to hit on these first two picks, not just the first pick. You want to find plug-and-play players, particularly on offense, and you have an opportunity here with a, a pretty deep offensive line and a very deep wide receiver class to really find a day-one starter on day two of the NFL draft. And I think the Jets are going to be looking to do that at receiver, and I think the default assumption should be they're going to find a way to get a tackle on day one. Hopefully they don't need to trade up to do that, but I think their internal expectation is they're going to find a starting tackle at number 11. And then you have three picks on day two. Can you find a starting receiver with one of those three picks uh, while potentially, you know, plugging some other holes on that day, but they're going to need these guys with likely a very abbreviated off season uh, to come in and make an impact. And that's, that's a risky thing. And it's going to make it that much more of a challenge for Sam Donald to mesh and execute with some new pieces. I think they, you know, unquestionably got better on the interior offensive line. I still think there's a lot of questions uh, at tackle. Uh, there's a lot of questions at receiver. And, you know, even as position right now, the Jets are banking on a lot of injury luck because they have a lot of guys penciled in to start who have missed a lot of time over the past two years. And that includes Alex Lewis, Greg Van Routen, Pierre Desir, uh, C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson and Chris Herndon, um, Plasson Austin, um, even Marcus May, who was healthy last year, still has durability concerns. There's a lot of guys who one of the first things you would say about them are talented player, but concerns about durability, concerns about durability. That's a reoccurring theme right now with this roster and something that you could really only mitigate if you build better depth. So the Jets need a 2006 type draft uh, to turn this around quicker than we you know, likely hope that they're going to. And hopefully they can deliver in that way. If you had to guess right now, who do you think is the most likely pick at 11? Not who you want the most, but who the most likely pick is. I mean, it's. I think it's going to be one of Becton, Thomas, and Judy. If I had to guess at this point, I think a lot of the a lot of the mocks that I've seen uh, and a lot of the the people that I trust doing those mocks, it the consensus seems to be one of those three kind of landing in the Jets' laps. And out of those three, and I was just talking to someone today, I'm not that high on Becton as I was a couple of weeks ago. I think it's one of those things where he's got – he's all-world athlete, but 
it's I could see him being a project and not necessarily working out. And that would be just an absolute nuclear bomb to this Jets team and this infrastructure and everything. Um, but yeah, if if I had to if I had to pick if I had to single in on one, I would probably go Beckton. It just it doesn't seem like if Judy or Lamb are on the board along with one of those top four offensive line that Douglas would take one of the wide receivers. So I will say Beckton. Yeah, I think that's hard to disagree with. I think there's he's the guy of the four that probably has the best chance of being there at eleven. You know, it's hard to get a consistent ranking of the top four guys in the exact same order from any two places. So it's going to be interesting to see draft weekend how how that shakes out and if the Jets are going to be fine sitting at 11 or they're going to have to do a little shuffling to get up to 9 or 10 uh, to get a guy that they can plug and play and start in day one. Um, we're going to have the entire month of April to break down every single thing draft-related, which we're very excited about. Uh, mock drafts, big boards, all that good stuff. Uh, before the episode wraps, we're going to share an excerpt of our interview with CJ Mosley. If you want to hear the full interview, turn on the jets.podbean.com, $9.99. It's going to end up netting out to being like a cent a podcast with how many podcasts we're doing on this feed during the quarantine. So check that out. Greg, thank you for joining us, everyone. We will be back over the weekend with another episode. Subscribe, rate, review.